Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is, uh, I was reading this, and I was actually listening to this. Uh, sometimes I listen to a, a dramatized version, and I was really struck by how they had, it must have been like a nine-year-old in this chapter. Um, I mean, because, you know, you had this part, you know, here I am, uh, for you called me. How old is uh, the boy Samuel here that we're talking about? Uh, you know, this is one that you kind of have a way of imagining this. Uh, how is this going down? What does it even mean that God's calling to him? Um, did Samuel not have a call before this? I mean, wasn't wasn't he called into the service of the priesthood before this? I mean, what's it mean for us today um, if we're called uh, to be pastors? Do we, do we hear voices? Uh, is it like a special spiritual thing? You know, so there's actually like a lot of questions, I think. I just kind of challenge uh, what are what are our assumptions about how all this stuff works uh, that I think will be uh, per- perhaps uh, one angle for conversation today. Joining us, we've got Pastor Mark Femmel, pastor at Zion Lutheran Church in Maryland Heights, Missouri. Uh, they're in the, the big St. Louis loop. Good morning, brother. Good to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning to you, and thank you for all the good that you do, bringing thy strong word to uh, God's word to people. That's awesome. Well, thank you for making it happen, because, uh, you know, it, it's really awfully uh, challenging to do this when you, when you don't have any backup. So, but it's it's just <laughs> easy when we can have a conversation, see? So, I mean, because, you know, you, you put me in a conversation context, you can't get me to stop talking. So it's 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 very good. It's very good. <laughs> But, yeah, don't you think this is just one of those chapters that uh, I feel like a lot of people are maybe kind of familiar with this story, you know? Like, you know, I, I didn't call, lie down again, right? You know, and there's like a—we kind of imagine—I don't know. I, I feel like we imagine Samuel as like a six-year-old or something. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like it's just kind of one of these, like, kind of well-known, uh, you know, Bible stories. But like, like so many, when you really look at it, kind of more closely, it does, I think, challenge, right? Like these uh, assumptions that we just kind of, that we just take away, maybe without much thought. Uh, almost every part of the Bible is open to all sorts of misinterpretation, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I go to church every Sunday, so that way the guy in front can tell me what it means. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm the guy up in front. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, whoop. Whoops. My interpretation uh, is always right, right? That's right. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, and, and that's and that's kind of interesting, you know, uh, that's very appropriate to, to the context here. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, it says, right? And so, I mean, I, I think this kind of gets to that idea of, you know, uh, where where is the word of the Lord, and you know, can it become rare or scarce? Um, you know, who who are the people who actually receive it and interpret it well? I mean, this chapter, you know, it seems like just you know a cute story with like a boy Samuel, you know, but I, I think this chapter kind of gets into all those kind of big questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, the word of the Lord there isn't so much the scriptures; they still had it, right, Moses. Moses had it and had been handed down. They even had a copy right. of it in the temple, which uh, which Josiah finds so much later, all dusty and everything. So they still they certainly had scripture, not the New Testament, of course, but they certainly had scripture. But um, it was so rare that uh, at that time they were still kind of hanging on the prophets that God would send a person that would that would speak. And it's interesting um, since the word of the Lord was rare in those days. That also happened. 
for about 350 to 400 years before Jesus, right? Uh, the, wow. the prophets were sent, they were sent, they were sent, and then after the exile, they were sent to, hey, go rebuild the temple. And then mm-hmm. it was just quiet until John the Baptist and Jesus start walking around. And, and I do think that this, this chapter, just like the ones before it, is going to be connecting dots, both reaching back and, and going forward, um, just like you were kind of giving the example of, you know, maybe this situation being analogous to the one uh, right before John the Baptist, which, as we've seen, is very fitting, of course, as like a prototype of John the Baptist in some ways. But this is another one where you kind of get more of a prototype of uh, the Lord Jesus. But uh, we'll we'll get into all these things, Lord willing. Before we get yeah. into the chapter, brother, would you say a prayer for us as we get started? Uh, I'd love to. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you bless us constantly to have your word at our fingertips. We can have it on the radio, we can have it in songs, we can have it in church, we can have it in Bible study, 24-7. We have direct access to your word and your message and your your devotion to us. We ask that you watch over us as you watched over Samuel, and grant that we would not just be people who hear your word, but certainly people who hear your word and find ways to share with the people around us as you, Lord, are calling out to this entire world. Uh, inviting us to be a part of the wonderful things that you have planned for each of us and for all of us. Bless us as we spend some time in your word and grant that we would hear your voice in the wonderful ways as you bring scripture alive. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, certainly. I, I think that this is one of those chapters where, I mean, like, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll just confess it too. I feel like uh, there have been many times when I thought to myself, man, you know, too bad, like, I couldn't be like Samuel, and where, you know, you, you hear the, the voice of God as clear as, you know, as I'm hearing your voice this morning, right? Like, oh, man, that would be, you know, just fantastic. But it's like you said, I mean, it really is not not a small thing that we have the entire Bible in whichever edition or language or version that we want, like you said, like at our fingertips all the time, Samuel didn't even have that. So, I mean, you know, we, we shouldn't be so quick to... Uh, I don't know, dismiss the, the, the gift that we have. So I appreciate that in your opening prayer. You know, it would be actually kind of heavy to be have that kind of closeness to God, as sinful as we are. Because it's like, you know, you walk into church, Lord, what should I do? Stop texting during the sermon. <laughs> you know? or, or, you know, Lord, what should I do? Stop breaking the speed limit. But Lord, what, what yeah. great thing do you want me to do? Stop breaking the speed limit. Well, right, right. But if I if I did that, what wonderful thing would you like me to do? Let's start there. <laughs> you know, it would be such plain talk. You know, or yeah. like if you're in an argument, if you're in an argument with somebody, right, and you yeah. you overstep the bounds of of what is honest and loving to say to be frank and harsh. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, God would God would whisper in your ear, "Take that back." <laughs> you know, and as you're having this argument with somebody, you'd be able to say, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, all right, but Lord, he he was being kind of mean, and and he was he was sharp with what he said. I was only doing the right. No. <laughs> right. So there would be yeah. quite a burden to have that kind no. of connection with God. I would love it because I'd be so yeah. much better than I am. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, glad no, that's, that's going to be the paradise thing because in paradise we will have that relationship, and he won't yeah. have to tell us. Hey, lo- remember when I told you to love people? That includes this guy right here. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, we'll be well, perfect. Well, that, that's something I and I hadn't really, uh, I hadn't thought about that. That you know, kind of a be careful what you wish for kind of situation. <laughs> um, 
I, I mean, you know, certainly it, it is it is fascinating when you do, and we'll and we'll see this when when you get um, Samuel, especially later, like talking to God. Um, you know, as we saw back in Exodus, how Moses did. Uh, those conversations don't always seem to be very pleasant, <laughs> and in fact, you know, the, the, you get you get sometimes that like the prophets they just seem to be shouting out like you know God like why are you you know torturing me you know like why why are you making me do this I mean so that's a, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty fair point. Um, well, well, let, let's go ahead and just kind of let let the story speak for itself. Is there anything that we should be keeping in mind though? Um, just really quick by way of further introduction i mean i know other we have uh it's going to be repeated um th- this oracle this uh, prophecy against eli that's been mentioned yeah. um in the previous chapter that, that hoffney and phineas are going to die on the same day and everything else um any, anything else that we ought to be like keeping in mind just so we're ready for this chapter yeah so just um the two things that are kind of laying on my heart is one like you said about eli uh god had told eli in first samuel 2 through a prophet that uh, they're going to be replaced. And and yeah. it's because he honored his sons above God's God's responsibility for Eli as high priest. And and what's so bizarre to me is I, as I read two and three, right, you know, right after another, is uh, when God had that kind of relationship and conversation with Moses or with David or with Moses about God's people, it would always be, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And then Moses or David or, you know, the people would say, all right, we're, we're sorry. We did not know that you were so mad about that, but I'm going to, we're going to stop that. We're going to turn it around. And then God would reply with, okay, fine. Uh, you repented. Yeah, right. I forgive you. Yeah. I will not do what I threatened to do. Right. So here what see Eli is God said, look, through a prophet, I'm not talking to you. I am going to talk to this man of God, this prophet in, in Pharaoh Samuel too. And he says to him, through this guy, uh, I'm mad at you. Stop this. And 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 uh, Eli certainly had the history of Moses and God's people with Moses and Abraham and all these people who, you know, God says, don't stop doing this. And then they repent. And then God, you know, relents of the disaster he planned. Eli doesn't. He's like, okay, God's mad, but I'm still going to do it. It's kind of like, you know, you go to church and you hear, this is still bad. And you're like, yeah, but I'm still going to do it. God's that. God actually wants us to respond to his invitation. And then I guess the second yeah. thing is here we see that since Eli wanted to continue uh, sidestepping God's plan for him, I mean, Eli is already the high priest. He's already in this great position, just like a dad is in a great position in his family or a, or a teacher is in a great position in her classroom or, you know, an accountant is in a great position in his firm, whatever we're in these great positions and we're called by God to follow him in these positions. And since Eli continued to sidestep God in his position, God said, fine, I'm going to work through somebody else. And, uh, so this is great for Samuel, but it's doubly bad for Eli. Cause it's like, Eli, man, why didn't you heed the yeah. warning? Well, you know, yeah, that's, and those I think are really big themes right throughout the scriptures. I mean, I mean, of course, you know, repentance, the idea of uh, that, like stubborn refusal to repent, and then God does say, "Okay, step aside," and, and that's going to happen. Really, I mean, think about it. I mean, just several times throughout First, Second, Third, Fourth Kingdoms, or, or uh, we might say First and Second Samuel and yeah. First and Second Kings. It's just kind of that all like all over the place. Uh, you know, like again and again, we see no one's indispensable. Uh, to kind of 
put it a little bit of an ominous way. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, those, those are those are really, I think, some of the key things we want to bear in mind. Let's go ahead and read the chapter with that yeah. uh, fresh in our minds here. We got First Samuel chapter 3 in the English Standard Version. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he couldn't see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Don't hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Ah, oh, just so fascinating for so many reasons. Um, I I know just like just there's lots of little moments where uh, you know I, I think I just kind of have a little bit of an emotive reaction, like stuff where you know like speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I feel I feel like I've had lots of moments like that. Um, but you know, you kind of like we were talking about earlier, doesn't always, you know, you, you don't really quite get the like, Hey, well, okay, here you, here you go. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, of course, uh, Samuel, the, you know, I, I wonder how old this boy was. Um, you know, one of the comments on Facebook here, uh, 
<laughs> as someone with little children, I can commiserate with Eli having the boy uh, wanting to continue talking and, and not wanting to go to bed. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and basically, you know, Eli's just like, go back to bed. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we all get that. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just really something, you know, I don't know how old this boy was, but, you know, speak Lord, your servants listening and, oh boy, does he get maybe more than he bargained for. Right. I mean, like, I mean, he's literally getting told, you know, well, th this whole house, this family is getting punished. Um, I'm going to kill your boss. Son you want the job? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah that's right. I'm going I'm to kill your boss and his sons. Um, and, you know, and this is the you high did, priest. I mean, and just, I mean, this is this is scary stuff, you know? I mean, this yeah. is just, uh, I mean, I don't know. This is like when, when your child, like, you know, stops and scratches their head and says, okay, hang on, so— why? What's that big boat and the rainbow on my on my uh, my painted on my wall and on my crib? Oh, that's the time when God felt uh, regretted creating humanity and tried to kill everything and wipe everything out. You know, I mean, this is heavy stuff. This isn't like you know kid yeah. stuff. So uh, this this is yeah. uh, this is fascinating. You know, I don't know if we can make too much out of the beginning where it's like he's ministering to the Lord. You know, they had to be like twenty years old because certainly Eli was not a rule follower. And, you know, he could sure. be ministering to the Lord as like, uh, you know, just kind of like he helped get the water or something. Sure. What's interesting, as, as you're reading this, the thing that jumped out for me is Eli, in verse 17, says, What did God tell you? Don't hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide any of it from oh, me. I know. And so when you're looking at that, you're like, okay, what is Eli expecting to hear? Eli is saying, may God, if you lie to me, may whatever he say happen to you. Yeah, when he's expecting that, bad means, news. Yeah, he's expecting terrible news, news yeah. that would frighten Samuel. And what's so bizarre is Eli knows that if God has any message to tell it to Eli, it's not going to be good. And yeah. yet Eli won't let that shock him out of telling his sons to, one, stop skimming the plate, and two, yeah. stop sleeping with all the women who are outside the temple. You know, and it's like, it, wow, yeah. wow, I hope I hope my heart is never so hooked on something that I am callous to the offers of goodness of God. Yeah. And yet at the same time, fully expect his, his anger. I, I, oh, it makes yeah, that, my, that's my whole really body fair. tingle, I mean, not just my ears. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I mean, and that's it really is something. And, and I think that you really set that up for us well, that. I mean, like he knows. I, I mean, he he knows what's going to happen. Basically, I mean, Sam didn't really even have to tell him. You know, I mean, he he just he knows. You know what? These are my sons. They're doing this terrible thing. I'm not really putting my foot down and stopping them. Yeah, there's there's going to be a price to pay for this. Uh, I mean, he he knows it. He's the high priest, right? Like he know, like yeah. you were saying, like he he knows he knows the history. He he knows what happens for this sort of thing. Um, you know, he, he knows, uh, we, we talked about this last time, right? You know, the story of, uh, uh, of Nadab and Abihu, right? Like, mm -hmm. so, so he gets it and he, he's not surprised. Um, he is impatient enough to, to want to hear it though, to basically invoke the curse back on Samuel. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, like he knows like, okay, this is really bad, but you know, you know, just, you better tell me or else may God, you know, do the same thing to you times two. Right. I mean, Right. That's that's may you be as bad off as I am. It's like yeah. Man, so I mean, that's at some point. If I heard, if I heard what the unnamed man of God in First Samuel two said as the high priest, 
I would just say, forget this. Sons, I don't care if you're 30 years old. I'm bringing spanking back. You know, <laughs> we're going to get the timeout chair back because I am yeah. not. I am not going to be cursed by God for you. And and yeah. we just need to start serving God's people right. I'm so thankful he gave us this morning, this invitation. But while I am alive, there is still time to 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 come back to God. But he doesn't. You know, it wasn't right. even like, Samuel, tell me, what, what did God say? Am I doing better? <laughs> mm-hmm. it, he just mm-hmm. let it keep happening. It is, it's like a Judas thing. But instead of betraying Jesus, uh, Eli is betraying every one of God's people. That, that's right. Off their there, offerings just, and it's terrible. That, that's right. And I, and I think it highlights, you know, I, I think that maybe one of the reactions we could have, especially as like modern readers with our, you know, individualistic uh, presuppositions. And there, there's a phrase, individualistic presuppositions. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in dissertation mode. I need to like calm down. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with, with just the way that we just, you know, assume that everything needs to be based on me, me as an individual, uh, that, that, can cause us, I think, to have a, a really sympathetic reaction towards Eli and say, oh, like, uh, that, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. I mean, Eli was a, was a good uh, priest. He was a, he was a good, he was a judge, you know, he, he done lots of good things. It's his sons, right? You know, they're just bad apples, you know? And, and then, so I think that, you know, when, when you get this, you know, uh, this punishment against the whole house of Eli, right? And, and maybe we would draw analogy to Aaron and his sons and say, well, hey, look, you know, like uh, when God, you know, punished Nadab and Abihu, uh, you know, he didn't like punish Aaron, you know, and uh, Aaron's third son, Eliezer, he still got to be high priest, right? So, you know, so I, I think that one of our reactions can be like, well, well, why didn't, you know, why, why is Eli getting such a such harsh penalty for something that he himself didn't do? But it, I think just just what you're saying, he's the high priest it is his job. I mean, this is like what he says to, uh, what God says to Ezekiel. You know, it's like, you know, if, if you if you tell the wicked man to repent and he doesn't repent, like, okay, that's on him. But man, if you don't tell him to, that's on you, Ezekiel. And, yeah. I, I mean, and, and this is this is the thing. He's doing this eyes wide open as the high priest. It's totally inexcusable, and it's terrifying. Over and really. over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Even after a priest, a prophet steps up and says, God sees, and God is not happy. You know, on, on the other side, I do want to say, um, I just so happen to have been reading First Kings with our family. Um, every every yeah. weekday morning, my family and I, my wife and my two girls, we do family chapel, and we read a yeah. chapter of the Bible, kind of like what we're doing here. And then yeah. we kind of give like a little bit of a reflection. We do it in five minutes, though. But we, <laughs> we aren't able to go as, uh, as deep as you We all. really drag our heels, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but y'all, y'all are able to go a lot deeper for an hour, but, uh, and it's neat cause we put that on Facebook every weekday. Um, so it's, That's it's awesome. there. Yeah. And people love it. It's, it's, it's really neat. Uh, but we just so happened to have been doing first Kings just started first Kings. As soon as I found out that I was invited to do first Samuel today. Yeah. And it says in first Kings, um, like two that, uh, in the days of Solomon becoming King, that was the day that this curse is carried out on Eli's family when yeah. Solomon puts away one of the, the, the priests, like the last line of Eli's family. And it's yep. because he sided with Adonijah. David is about yeah. to die, and Adonijah, is dis- uh, one of David's sons, decides, I don't want my dad's choice, and I don't want God's choice of Solomon to become king. So I'm going to become king. And so a bunch of people, including Joab, 
the commander of David's army sides with Adonijah because they're like, how long is old David going to last? Right. And uh, he lasts one last hurrah to make Solomon king. And uh, Abiathar, the uh, the priest in Solomon's day, he was put away because uh, he he picked Adonijah. He was fighting God, was fighting David, was fighting Solomon. And it's interesting because if you look at the timelines there, although this is a very stern curse on Eli, his family still serves as the high priest family for a hundred years. No, that's true. Yeah, so slow that is, to you know, anger. When, slow yeah. to anger indeed, right? I mean, just, and, you know, I'm punishing you, but, you, you know, like, it can wait a hundred years. I mean, I don't... <laughs> yeah. It really is and something. Is I, I want to develop this... I want to develop this thought more. It's time for our break, but I'll sure. just hold it right there. We'll pick it right back up in a bit. Everybody, we're looking at First Samuel chapter 3 on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. This is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Young people in the St. Louis area have organized in opposition to abortion. St. Louis Pro-Life Future is planning a sidewalk day in front of an abortion facility in Illinois. Organizer Jacinta Florence discusses the event with me on World Lutheran News Digest, Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3. We were just talking about, I mean, I mean, just really just how, when you, when you think about it, this can seem harsh from our perspective, God's treatment of Eli. But when you, when you go and look at a full picture, uh, like our guest was just saying, Pastor Mark Femmel, pastor at Zion in Maryland Heights, Missouri, uh, I mean, th- this doesn't even all get get poured out, this punishment meted out, um, for a hundred years. So, I mean, it, indeed, when, when God says, you know, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, you know, he's he's not exaggerating, uh, slow to anger in indeed. Uh, and, and in many ways, like we were just saying, like, y- you got to look at this. This is the high priest here. Um, for him to have been doing this 
Wow. And, um, and I want to talk about maybe what might be, and this might be a little bit speculative, but like what might be kind of like underlying that. Cause I feel like this might be fitting a pattern that we're seeing in the first several chapters of first Samuel, but more on that in a minute. I want to be able to turn to some of your questions here. We got a few on Facebook, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. A few came in over email as well. We'll take a look at this here. Uh, if you have any questions, KFUO at KFUO.org. Email them there. You can also give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Thank you, Lutheran Heritage Foundation, for your support and underwriting the program. Their website, lhfmissions.org, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. So, uh, yeah, before we turn to those questions, though, brother, you were you were developing— um, th this thought here. So I, I, I had to cut you off, but, but you go ahead, you were connecting like the timeline and, uh, the reading in first Kings and, and just, I mean, what was striking me as you were talking was how, you know, w w there's these, you get these punishments of like the, the collective of the corporate personality, as people say sometimes. And we yeah. say, that's not fair. Why is the whole thing getting punished? But kind of like throughout the scriptures, it shows that even when God punishes like a whole group of people, Everyone in their own way ends up deserving it, and and, and I think that that's kind of what the thing in First uh, Kings shows that, um, you know, it's not like I don't know Eli's descendants are all innocent bystanders. Yeah, as as you kind of trace the priests, they're kind of absent um, during like a First Samuel. Samuel kind of takes the role. I mean, you know, as a prophet, and I guess a, technically he would be priest. He's kind of like overseeing. Um, the ministry, you know, overseeing what the priests are doing. But yeah, there, there's the uh, Eli's family is still on the line because his kids had kids. And then in the uh, right. first Kings two, you get a Beathar. He, uh, he is put away because he had carried the ark. So Solomon doesn't put him to death for treason and, and revolution there. He just hasn't put away, uh, because he had carried the ark. So they would have been the, you know, that they would have been priests in uh, the day of David, you know, in David's time. Um, they would have, they would have uh, assisted in in all sorts of different royal things, and uh, and Abiathar was you know faithful to to David until David got old. Uh, yeah. But then, so it's it's not so, you know it's it's like um, there are several kings that do really bad stuff, and then and then God sends a prophet and says, and that's why your line is going to come to an end. Right. Until I put the new king on the line, which should be the forever king, the the savior. So you know, the the true heir of David. But then the ones who who are faithful in, in their kingdom, even though there's this like ominous curse on the family, uh yeah. in their time, they are blessed. They are tremendously uh protected and graced, having huge religious revivals. And so even though God knew ahead of time that Abiathar would turn out to be a real loser. <laughs> that didn't mean that he was cursing um, everybody in the family all along the way, because great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was, you know, was a drunk. Right. So, yeah, yeah, no, I mean... You have yeah, a great yeah, point yeah, there. It works. I'm sorry. We're, <laughs> I'll let you go. I'll let you go. 
Yeah, no, I, th I think I think my delay this morning is like a little bit bad. It's just it's just it's just wide enough that uh, <laughs> you just kind of do the awkward sidewalk dance. But but yeah, I, I think I think you 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 see how the the level there are these multiple levels where you kind of look at things like on terms of the whole, um, and then terms of the individual, and and they end up both being compatible somehow. Even though when you kind of just look at them at a distance, you're just like this. This seems like a contradiction. Uh, but I mean, it, it's the same thing with original sin that, you know, someone says, well, yeah, it's not fair. I've got original sin and so I'm just getting punished for Adam and Eve. Like, well, I mean, you, you kind of prove every day that you would have done the same thing. So, uh, right. I, I mean, it, it's, it, there's this really paradoxical, like causality thing. Um, but right. without, without getting too much into that, um, I want to throw some of these kind of specific questions, uh, at you here dealing with some of these, uh, some of these details. So, uh, we talked at the at the very beginning, just briefly. We mentioned it. You know, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So I I think that uh, you know based on the way that the ESV has kind of translated this for us, it seems like it's kind of like restatement. Like it's by word of the Lord was rare, as as you were saying. It doesn't mean that uh, I don't know they didn't they didn't have any Bibles. No Bibles would have been rare, but that that wouldn't have that wasn't, wasn't the point. <laughs> that wasn't the point. That's not the point. Uh, but but rather that by by word of the Lord, we're we're talking about a kind of very particular prophetic experience, right? Because in Hebrew, this is the this is the Devar Yahweh, where it, it like kind of like falls upon someone uh, like a prophet uh, when yep. when they're about to say something, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the word of the Lord came upon me, and said. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, like, what's the significance of this then? That that there was a, that it was a rare thing, or or later, like you were saying, that it became rare. Um, you know, there weren't really. There was not. There was a. How do you put this? Like a, a lack or a scarcity of prophetic activity. Uh, say between. Um, I don't know, like the time of, you know, uh, Zechariah, um, you know, Malachi, uh, and then later John the Baptist. Yeah, there there seems to be this. Uh, anytime there is a long delay in God's word, like coming out upon a prophet, yeah, uh, man, we really we really make bad decisions. So the two big delays, as I as I contemplate them, I guess three big delays is right before Moses, for about mm -hmm. four hundred years, and all of a sudden Moses is on the scene, full force. God leads his people out of slavery, and then. <clears throat> Then there's a, a few centuries lack. I mean, before Samuel had the judges, but then those people, they may not have been over all of Israel. They may have been over an area of Israel. There might have been different mm -hmm. judges at different times, at the, you know, uh, different judges at the same time. You know, there might have been some overlap, you know, like maybe Samson was more of a southern judge, stuff like that. Right. But, you know, the, the major prophets like, you know, Samuel and Isaiah and Daniel, there was this massive lag in that. And so uh, people started worshiping all sorts of terrible things. Um, even Samson is kind of wrapped up in chasing uh, um, chasing Philistines, in, even though that's he's not supposed to. And you see this big decline even in the judges. The later they are, the the worse they are. And then Samuel's on the same massive spiritual um, spiritual uh, like reformation, and then uh, and then you although you get Saul, then you get David, uh, which Samuel anoints. So it's kind of like Samuel's really handed the baton to David. Uh, and then before Jesus, before John the Baptist, you get centuries of silence. And then people, instead of worshiping a bunch of different gods, you get a massive 
turn to legalism. You know, it's like in the two previous periods, people said, well, let's worship other gods. And then after the return to Israel, after the exile, the centuries before Jesus, instead of turning to other gods, then the people of God are turning to massive legalism. You know, like the little we know about the Pharisees yeah. and the Sadducees, it's very much a uh, like a legalism yeah. kind of thing. And then Jesus well, shows, and then Jesus shows up, and it's about grace. It's like, ooh, that's new. Well, and I think that's interesting. I really appreciate the way you just kind of lined up these three different periods. Uh, you're describing like before Moses, before Samuel, and before John the Baptist. Um, and it's interesting, you know, like because I think you know we, we think about this prophetic office. I mean, just think about it. What's like the first thing that Samuel does, <laughs> right, when he gets this call? And we'll have to talk about whatever exactly this means, right? Um, but clearly, it's it's a a prophetic call of some kind. That's what we're being set up for, you know, the the devoured Yahweh, that this kind of prophetic word message that overcomes uh, somebody is not a common thing. Well, it's about to happen right. though, right? It's it's coming right. it's coming to Samuel. Um, and at the end of the chapter, we get this comment. Uh, where is it here? Uh, there it is, right? And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord, right? So this is, this is the prophetic call. Yeah, yep. all of Israel, not just like yours, and like not just like in some cases where it's like the, the Northerners, like, oh, yeah, he's a prophet, or the Southerners, like, yeah, he's our prophet. No, all of Israel. Right. And what's the first thing that Samuel does? Uh, Eli, you're toast. Uh, th th it's coming to an end, right? I mean, so just to think about that, the prophetic office, and this is what we're going to see throughout Samuel and the books that follow, it's a corrective one. I mean, it's one, it's a calling to repentance. It's saying... You know, hey, three days from now, God's going to burn Nineveh to the ground. You know, I mean, it is yeah. it, it is that. And so I, I think then the, the connection that was coming out for me when you were lining up these three periods is that if there's a lack of prophetic activity, if, if there's a lack of God sending prophets to make a course correction, it's because God's saying, you know what? These guys are so stubborn. I'm just going to let them do this. I'm just going to let this yeah. play out. I mean, I mean, it, it's really— a sign of judgment, right? It's it's not that I don't I don't know what like I I feel like I, I've sometimes read this like oh like you know there, there's this period of silence before before Jesus or you know or here and it was like I guess if they had like been more spiritual right they would have been more attuned and more people would have been hearing God you know speak or something like that like it was a kind of a lack of not being spiritual enough but I, yeah. I think the way to look at it is kind of as, as you were setting it up that it's. You know what? This it's is like, like you were saying, if there's a lack of prophetic words, look out because God's just kind of saving it up, you know, and and then he's just going to drop the bombshell and say, you know what, you guys, you weren't going to listen anyway, so I stopped sending them. You kept killing my messengers. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you make a great point that when God stops speaking, we, we are going to get in so many bad situations that he doesn't even have to come up and say, hey— are you hurting? <laughs> it mm -hmm. causes a world of hurt. Yeah. Just a world of hurt that just is so devastating that, uh, man, you would think we'd learn our lesson, right? I, I mean, it really is something, and it's like you said, it's something I uh, that, that should call us to humility because, uh, you know, like you were saying, you know, just may, may God grant that our hearts don't become so hard because it just happens. It happens to, to the high priest, right? You're like, oh, well, spiritual people, you know, they wouldn't have that happen to them. That's only, like, mean people like Pharaoh. No, the high <laughs> priest. Um, right. and, and so and so maybe briefly, uh, maybe this is a little bit speculative, but so why 
is Eli letting this happen? Um, what What's going on here? I mean, we saw in the previous chapter, he did say something, right? Um, or, you know, where was that back in, uh, in chapter two, where um, he said, it says something to my sons, right? Back in verse 23, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it's no good report that I hear from the people of the Lord spreading abroad. So, I mean, like, he, he says something at some point, um, but apparently it's just kind of like a, you know, like a half-hearted attempt, like, you know, like a parent who kind of is like, okay, you better not do that. And it's just the kid's like, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. I know that, I know that that's just, uh, you know, the, the dog's bark is louder than his bite. Um, yeah. So, so what, what, why would Eli do this? My, my, my suspicion is that maybe this has to do with an idolatry of children. I don't know. But what, what do you think? That, uh, that Eli would just kind of say, hey, I'm not going to tell my kids to be good? Like, in, in uh, chapter 1, the, the sense that, that, that you get is that Hannah is desperate for a child. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, oh, you know, hey, her, hu- her husband loves her. Uh, he provides for her, gives her a double portion, right? Like all the things that the law would require of him. I mean, so she has a good, faithful husband in a good situation, and she's miserable. And she's just yeah. miserable because she's not going to be happy until she has a kid. And so if God doesn't give her a says, kid, then God's— yeah. And he even says, am I not more to you than ten sons? So even with him, right. he's like, well, sons are the goal, right? Sons. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. No, that's right. That's right. And so there's this underlying assumption, which we see kind of like throughout, and we saw the same thing with Leah and Rachel and their rivalry, where it's just like, man, if, if we don't have kids, then it, we have nothing, right? We have yeah. nothing. And, uh, and so— I don't know. I, I wonder if you kind of combine that, especially then with what happens with Saul, um, how, how Saul is kind of the, you know, as the king, there's this uh, kind of sense in which he's kind of the corporate son of the mm-hmm. people, right? Yeah. Like, is there this idolatry here of of sons? Like, you know, if just if we don't have our sons and we have nothing, and so Eli's like, you know what? Uh, yeah, they're doing lots of bad things, but they're my boys. I can't, I can't turn them in. Yeah, they're my sons. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's specifically because they're the sons or it's just, um, you know, as a doting dad and they're his, you know, they're the, they're his sons as priests and, you know, it's, I don't mind. And it's like, man, I mean, it's, I, I, it's hard to come up with a, with a reasonable excuse for Samuel, uh, for Eli. But yeah. honestly, that's like us. I can come with all sorts of rationalizations for why. I'm playing with uh, that line between good and evil, that line between yeah. righteousness and sin. I can I can easily rationalize the the hooks that sin has with me, but then, you know, you explain that to somebody else, and they're going to go, no. <laughs> and then, you know, you can hear their rationalizations, and you'd say, no. But, yeah, there's something in Eli's heart that he's just saying, you know, I'd rather make God angry than my son's angry. Right. And it's like, ooh. Yeah. He fears disappointing his sons more than disappointing God. Well, and people can easily fall into that same trap. You know, I'd rather continue to, to be told you're a winner than yeah. be honest with the books. I would rather yeah. be able to say, look at this great, awesome car I have, than be honest on my tax forms. I would love to be the person who's always there, uh, 
on time and get everything done, fit 27 hours of work into 24-hour days, uh, yeah. and drive like a jerk. You know, yeah. we we are yeah. we want to say yes to so many other things, and many times there are certain things that we say yes to that end up being us telling God no. Well, and and I think the other little side of it too is again the the, the name Samuel and the etymology that Hannah gives it. You know, for I have asked uh, him of the Lord, right? So mm-hmm. this idea of the the son that we asked for, right? I mean, it really inv- it, it invites. I, feel, I don't know. It, it might be speculative, but you, you just imagine, right? You know how how normal it would have been that Eli would have prayed, right, and said, you know, Lord, may I have sons, and you know, oh, thank you for these sons, Lord, may they grow up uh, to be like me, to follow in my footsteps, and you know, be priests like me, and and and, and like when when you just kind of idolize the prayer request. You know, on a certain level, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier. Like you're like, ah, be careful what you wish for, right? Yeah. Turns out that that Eli's sons uh, weren't going to make very good priests, right? You know, but like, in how many ways did he kind of force that or turn a blind eye because he had his mind all made up that this is what this is how it was going to go? In the way that Saul later is going to say, you know what? No, my son Jonathan, right, is going to end up uh, succeeding me, not David. Forget forget God's plan, my son. Right. And that ends up, uh, well, I mean, it ends up, and I think in some ways you could argue it ends up costing his son's life. Um, I, I mean, so it's just, we, we, we see this, right. This, this kind of favoritism and insistence of, no, it's my way, my son. Right. And it's, it ends up disastrous. You know, as I, I kind of toss around his name, the Samuel, um, I'm assuming that the etymology comes from Shema Ale, uh, which could mean, God heard me, or I'm listening to God. <clears throat> yeah. You know, like a God listener. Yeah. Uh, and and honestly, that's that's the big difference that we see in chapter two and chapter three. Samuel's going to listen to God. Yeah. Eli, Eli would not. So I mean, I guess this would be a great time for a proclamation point. Um, <laughs> there are times as God's people that we are completely comfortable with something that we have rationalized so many times, and that is exactly what God. Uh, Eli in trouble, King Saul in trouble, uh, um, Solomon in trouble, uh, who else? Um, Samson in trouble, I know that's earlier. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what got um, Herod in trouble, Judas in trouble. Uh, that's exactly what gets us in trouble when we listen to our rationalizations so much. And Jesus, in the parable of the of the sower, the uh, the thorns, those are things that, those are our rationalizations where uh, we we say, hey, I'm com- I'm comfortable with this, and I'm comfortable having closeness with God, except in this one part. And maybe that's being lazy, maybe that's pornography, maybe that's a substance, maybe that's a behavior, maybe that's being argumentative, maybe that's being snarky, maybe that's being conceited, whatever it is. Um, whatever it is, those rationalizations, what they're doing is they're drawing us away from hearing God. Um, you know, as a pastor, you know there are certain there are certain personality types that they avoid pastors at all costs. And so many times, when somebody has you know seems to be trying to avoid the pastor, it's not because of anything with the pastor. It's because if they spend time with the pastor, they're going to have to admit porn is wrong, or right. or um, being abrasive to your kids is wrong. 
and it's just easier just to avoid hearing God's word. And well, that, and that's, not, that's, that doesn't lead to a good place. Well, that's, that's a powerful point, and it, I think maybe in some ways it really kind of makes sense of why this nameless prophet has to go up to the high priest and tell him this, right? Sort of yeah. like he's been avoiding, right? Like all all the places where he might be, he might receive this correction, you know. And and I think you're right, you know. It's it's so it's so easy just to be like, you know, what I've got my own Bible here, and you know, I've got you know my app or you know, my thing on my computer. I don't need a pastor, but I mean, like, it's just amazing how we rationalize, like you were saying, just like you know, being our own yes man, uh, so that we don't have to face a Samuel who's going to come and uh, say. Uh, what we kind of, and uh, this is fascinating, what we kind of know he's going to say, <laughs> right? Like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't actually need a voice in his head. Like, he, he kind of already knows what God would say. It's just that he's kind of willingly turned it off. Um, and so to that point, just uh, not much time here, just let's let's uh, kind of look here at this response that Samuel has in the end, you know, speak for your servant listens. Um, and before that, you know, here I am. Uh, one, of the, one of the questions that came up over email was, hang on a second, I am? Is that the name of God? So, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, what, what do you think? Is there something going on there? Well, what's the significance of Samuel showing up and saying, here I am, you called me? Um, it, it seems like these responses are really highlighted in the text. Yeah, uh, right there in verse 8, you get this, here I am. And uh, I'm just going to mm-hmm. go eyeball the Hebrew before I, before I just like mm-hmm. jump all over and go. Yeah, this is exactly. I, yeah, it's just really no, I, cool I think, Hebrew word hineni. Yeah, that's right, hineni, right? And uh, you know, there's so many times where prophets are called by God, the word of the Lord comes to them, and uh, they just go hineni, and it's kind of like yep. this class, this typical. It, it's so it's it sounds so epic. In English, like, <laughs> behold, tis I. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, behold me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's right. If you say behold me, right? It's like yeah, in English, it's like it's, what? Yeah, I know, right? But but you're right. In in Hebrew, this is, I think, just the standard response of just you. You know, it, it kind of almost means like you called. Uh, I was just thinking or, that. Or, Remember Adam's family? I used to watch. It yeah, I used to watch this on Nick at Night. I say that so that way I don't sound old, but there are people yeah. now who have no idea what Nick at Night is. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you know what Nick at Night is? I, I do. It was, yes. it was all right. Hard. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you would watch uh, like Adam's Family, and that big guy Lurch would go, you ring. Yes, right. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, so no, I, I think... I think it is like that. So this is this is not, and we, we, we've actually, we went over this when we were in Exodus, right? Like the word that, that gets used for he will be, Yahweh, or, you know, I will be. Yeah. It is that, that, that future form of, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, like more, more than just kind of like, uh, I'm here, guys. It, it's more like, yeah. you know, I, I'm going to make good on what I've said. I'm going to show yeah. up and, and make it happen, which I, I feel like kind of in the broader context um, has more to do with how there's been a period of relative silence, but God is showing up, and he will show up, even if it seems like he's never going to, uh, from our perspective, right? Like, uh, you know, like in Psalm 3, you know, that there's enemies all around me, and they say that you're never going to come, Lord. Uh, prove right, them wrong. Right. Show up, you know? And, yeah. and, and that's what God is doing here. So um, I, I do think there is kind of, on that level, kind of a thematic uh interplay going on that 
with uh, with Samuel reporting for duty here. That's kind of that's reporting for duty. You called, right? Yep. Yep. Um, it, it's it's really God who's showing up and reporting for duty. Uh, his duty yeah. that he has graciously unilaterally promised his people um, out of out of pure grace. So I think that that's that was a few of the questions that that came in, and uh, you could you can go a few places, but just uh, just briefly there. So, so then in the end, you know, speak your servant hears, and we said this, you know, he gets laid this really heavy thing on him here. Um, not, not what you'd necessarily want to like tell a six-year-old. Like, so by the way, they're all going to die. And, um, but, but yeah, he kills the commander. And then he looks at the guy next to him, he goes, now you're the commander. And he realizes if I mess up, you're going to force choke me to death. And so that's what's going through Samuel's mind, right? Like, you know, yeah. if, if this happened to Eli, you know, God's going to force choke me if I mess up. I mean, this is a this is a heavy thing that's been put on Samuel. I know we're almost out of time, but I just want to toss this out there. Um, in Samuel's day, he got the word of God that nobody had received for probably in that in that sort of relationship that that intensity for hundreds of years, yeah. and then God chose Samuel. Um, and nobody from no one in particular, to be the word carrier. What's neat is when you get the Lord's Supper, uh, when you get the Lord's Supper, you actually get God putting his body and his blood in you, not just words, but his body and his blood in you because you are that precious. He is choosing you to bring that to the people around you. You're Samuel. I love it. Uh, I, I appreciate that. That's Because really it takes us, I think, to, in verse 19, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of yeah. his words fall to the ground. And, and that yeah. just evokes again what we had in the previous chapter, uh, where, uh, where, where was it? The boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. And you have almost the same comment in Luke about the Lord Jesus himself. Um, I, I think it's anticipatory. I think it also yeah. is a throwback to Joseph who you know, was growing um, in the eyes of all the people around him because God is making him successful. So just to think about that, like, you know, you know here, here's Joseph, the, the guy that God is just making, you know, from nothing, making him king. Samuel, this yep. guy, you know, from nothing, making him the, the, the king maker. Uh, his son, yep. Jesus Christ, the, the king who became nothing. And just as you were saying, it's like you're the next in line through baptism into Christ that, you know, like we're, we're like Samuel and Joseph and the Lord himself. So... Uh, that yeah. is. Well, let, let's just end it there on that beautiful gospel moment right there. Appreciate it, brother. I really like the conversation. I'm going to check out this five-minute devotion you do because it's got to help me manage my time better. So uh, thank you, brother. <laughs> Looking forward to another conversation real soon. Awesome. Thanks. Everybody, that was Pastor Mark Femmel in Mar- Maryland Heights, Zion, Maryland Heights, Missouri. Moving on to Chapter 4. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.